Welcome to Line C, Use Mathematics and Science by Camosun College, used under CC BY. The Trades Access Common Core resources are licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0. The materials in these learning guides are for use by students and instructional staff and have been compiled from sources believed to be reliable and to represent best current knowledge on these subjects. These audio resources are intended to serve as a starting point for good practices and may not specify all minimum legal standards. No warranty, guarantee, or representation is made by the BC Piping Trades Articulation Committee, the Skilled Trades BC Training Authority, BC Campus, or King's Printer of British Columbia as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information contained in these publications. These audio resources are intended to provide basic guidelines for piping trades practices. Do not assume, therefore, that all necessary warnings and safety precautionary measures are contained in this publication and that other or additional measures may not be required. To learn more about BC Campus Open Education, visit www.openbccampus.ca. Use Mathematics and Science, Section 6. Perform conversions. Metric system. The international system of units, abbreviated as SI, from the French Le Système International de Unité, is the modern form of the metric system and is the world's most widely used system of measurement used in both everyday commerce and science. In the United States, metric units are not commonly used outside of science, medicine, and the government. However, Canada has adopted it for most governmental and scientific purposes, but imperial units are still legally permitted and remain in common use throughout many sectors of Canadian society, particularly in the building trades and railway sectors. In the metric SI system, there is a standard unit for each type of measurement. The meter is used for length or distance, the gram is used for weight or mass, and the liter is used for capacity or volume. There's also a series of prefixes that are added to the standard units to indicate measures greater than the standard units or less than the standard units. Many consider the metric system to be easier to use than the imperial system. One reason for this is that all measures greater than or less than the standard unit are in powers of 10. Changing from larger to smaller or from smaller to larger measures simply requires multiplying or dividing by 10 or a power of 10. Another reason the metric system is easier to use than the imperial system is that the prefixes used with the standard unit represent the power of 10 by which the standard unit is to be divided or multiplied. Prefixes of the metric system Before we start our study of metric measurements, look at the prefixes that are used in the metric system. Keep in mind that the prefix will have the same meaning no matter which unit, meter, gram, or liter, the prefix is attached to. The prefixes used in this section for smaller units than the standard unit are deci, 1 of 10, centi, 1 of 100, or milli, 1 of 1,000. The prefixes used for larger units than the standard unit are deca, 10 times, hecto, 100 times, and kilo, 1,000 times. There are other prefixes that are used with very large and very small measures, but they will not be discussed in this section. The use of prefixes can be related to our decimal system of numeration. 
Let's compare our decimal place value chart shown below with these prefixes. The standard unit, whether meter, gram, or liter, corresponds to the ones place. All the places to the left are powers of the standard unit. That is, a value of deca is 10 times the standard unit. The value of hecto is 100 times this unit. The value of kilo is 1,000 times this unit, and so on. All the places to the right of the standard unit are subdivisions of the standard unit. That is, the value of deci is one-tenth of the standard unit. The value of centi is one-one-hundredth of this unit. The value of milli is one-one-thousandth of this unit, and so on. Convert length, area, volume, weight, and capacity. Measures of length. Meter. The meter is the standard unit for measuring length. One meter is equal to 3.281 feet or 39.37 inches. Meter is the appropriate unit to use to measure lengths and distances like room dimensions, site dimensions, and heights of buildings. The abbreviation for meter is lowercase m. Kilometer. To measure long distances, a larger measuring unit is typically used. One kilometer is 1,000 meters and is used for these longer distances. The abbreviation for kilometer is KM. The prefix kilo attached to the word meter means a thousand. Centimeter. When measuring objects less than one meter long, one of the most common units used is the centimeter. Since the prefix centi means one out of 100, a centimeter is one hundredth of a meter. One centimeter is about the width of a thumbtack head, somewhat less than half inch. Millimeter. Many objects are too small to be measured in centimeters, so an even smaller unit of measure is needed. One millimeter, or mm, is one one-thousandth of a meter, or about the thickness of a plastic credit card or a dime. Many modern projects will state the size of pipe and fittings in millimeters. Other units and their abbreviations are decimeter, dm, decameter, dam, and hectometer, hm. Measures of area and volume. Square meter. A square meter occupies an area that is one meter long, one meter wide. It is a little larger than a square yard since the meter is a little longer than a yard. A square that is 10 meters on a side would have an area of 100 square meters. There are 1 million square meters in a square kilometer, just as there are 1 million square millimeters in a square meter. For comparison, you might think of a square millimeter as the area of a pinhead and a square meter as the area of a desktop. The 10 meter square, 10 meters times 10 meters, or air, is about the floor area of a large classroom. And the 100 meter square, 100 meters times 100 meters, or hectare, is about the area of two football fields. The square kilometer is about 200 acres and roughly a third of a square mile. Cubic units were used to measure volumes long before the metric system was defined. Cubic inches of ice, ice cubes, cubic feet of gas, measured through a gas meter, and cubic yards of dirt, gravel, or concrete are still in common use. The cubic meter is 30% larger than the cubic yard. There are exactly 1 billion cubic millimeters in a cubic meter, and 1 billion cubic meters in a cubic kilometer. Calculating area square units, and volume, cube units, in the metric system is done in the same way as with the imperial system. 
only the units of measure change. Area equals length times width, or area equals d squared times 0.7854. Volume equals length times width times height, or volume equals d squared times 0.7854 times height. Measures of weight. Gram. The standard unit for measuring weight in the metric system is the gram. A gram is described as the weight of one cubic centimeter of water. A cubic centimeter is a cube in which each edge is equal to one centimeter in length. It is a little smaller than a sugar cube. The abbreviation G is used for gram. The gram is used for measuring small, light objects. Kilogram. One kilogram is a thousand grams. Since a cube 10 centimeters on each edge, one decimeter cubed, can be divided into 1,000 centimeters cubed, the weight of the amount of water required to fill this cube would be 1,000 grams or one kilogram. One kilogram is equivalent to approximately 2.2 pounds. Milligram. The milligram, or one one-thousandth of a gram, is used to measure very small weights. Milligrams, mg, are used when measuring very small amounts of chemicals that may be present in a fluid sample. For example, one milligram per liter is equal to one part per million, or ppm, when discussing mineral concentrations in water treatment systems. Other units and their abbreviations are decigram, dg, centigram, cg, decagram, dag, and hectogram, or hg. Measures of capacity. Liter. One liter, or L, is the volume of a cube 10 centimeters on each edge equal to one decimeter. It is the standard metric unit of capacity. Since a cube 10 centimeters on each edge filled with water at 4 degrees Celsius weighs one kilogram, then one liter of water weighs one kilogram. One liter is just a little smaller than a liquid quart, an imperial unit for measuring capacity. There are nearly 4 liters per U.S. gallon and approximately 4.5 liters per imperial gallon. Water storage tanks are often listed by their capacity in liters. Milliliter. Since 1 liter is 1,000 centimeters cubed, 1 milliliter has the same capacity or volume as a cubic centimeter. Most liquid medicine is labeled and sold in milliliters or ml or cubic centimeters, cc or centimeters cubed. Liquids available in very small quantities are measured in milliliters. Some other units and their abbreviations are deciliter, centiliter, decaliter, hectoliter, and kiloliter. Imperial to metric SI conversions. Learning to convert from the imperial system to the metric system or vice versa is important because both systems are used in the piping trades. These conversions from imperial to metric or metric to imperial are more difficult than working entirely with one system. To convert measures from the imperial system to the metric system and vice versa, we only need one conversion factor for each type of measurement, length, area, weight, and capacity. Figure 2 lists the factors for converting between metric and imperial measures. Convert heat energy, temperatures, and pressures. Heat energy conversions. Heat energy can be measured in many different units. The most common units for heat are British Thermal Unit or BTU, Kilowatt Hour, KWH, Calorie, CAL, and Joule, J. BTU, British Thermal Unit, the unit of energy in the imperial system. 
The BTU is the amount of heat required to raise or lower the temperature of one pound of water, one degree Fahrenheit. One BTU is approximately equal to the energy released when a wood match burns. How quickly this energy is converted to do work is a measurement of power. Typically in the piping industry, power requirements and outputs are calculated on a per hour basis. For example, heating 100 pounds of water at 100 degrees Fahrenheit would require 100,000 BTUs of energy. Doing that amount of work in two hours would require a power output of 50,000 BTUs per hour, whereas it would require 200,000 BTUs per hour for an appliance to perform that work in 30 minutes. One BTU equals 1,055 joules equals 0.00029295 kilowatt hours equals 252 calories. A boiler firing at one kilowatt generates the equivalent of 3,412 BTUs of heat energy in the combustion chamber. Calorie. One calorie is the amount of heat required to raise the temperature of one gram of water, one degree Celsius. The calorie is outdated and commonly replaced by the metric unit joule. One calorie equals 4.187 joules, 0.03968 BTUs, equals 1.1629 times 10 to the power of negative 6 kilowatt hour. That number is written in scientific notation. In general, a number written in scientific notation will be multiplied by 10 raised to an exponent. When the exponent is positive, move the decimal point to the right, the number of places indicated by the exponent. 6.45 times 10 to the power of 3 equals 6,450. When the exponent is negative, move the decimal point to the left, the number of places indicated by the exponent. 6.45 times 10 to the power of negative 3 equals 0.00645. Joule. A joule is the general metric unit in measuring energy. Cooling down a mug of hot coffee to room temperature will free about 100,000 joules. 4.187 joules of heat energy, or one calorie, is required to raise a temperature of a unit weight one gram of water, one degree Celsius. One joule equals 0.238 calories, equals 2.778 times 10 to the power of negative 7 kilowatt hours, equals 9.478 times 10 to the negative 4 BTUs. One gigajoule is one billion joules. 238,834,488 calories. Power. Power is the rate of doing work. It is the equivalent to an amount of energy used per unit of time. Kilowatt. The kilowatt is the metric unit typically used for power. The watt is named after Scottish engineer James Watt, who pioneered the success of the steam engine. Watts are a measurement of the rate of energy transfer and are equal to one joule per second. One kilowatt equals a thousand watts, equals 3,412 BTU per hour, equals 3,600,000 joules per hour, equals 859,824 calories per hour, equals 0 0.0036 gigajoules. A furnace operated at a rate of 100,000 BTU per hour is operating at a rate of 29.3 kilowatts. Temperature conversions. Many vocational technical applications require conversions between different temperature scales. 
In this section, we will be concerned with temperature conversions involving the Celsius, Kelvin, Rankine, and Fahrenheit scales. Celsius-Kelvin conversions. One scale used to measure temperature in the metric system is a measurement called the Kelvin scale. Units on this scale are abbreviated with a capital K without the degree symbol because these units are simply called Kelvins and are measured from absolute zero, the temperature at which all heat is said to be removed from matter. Another metric temperature scale is the Celsius scale, abbreviated C, sometimes referred to as the centigrade scale, which has zero as the freezing point of water. The Kelvin and Celsius scales are related that each unit of change on the Kelvin scale is equal to one degree of change on the Celsius scale. That is, the size of a Kelvin and a Celsius degree are the same on both scales. Absolute zero, the zero for the Kelvin scale, corresponds to 273 degrees below zero on the Celsius scale. To convert Celsius to Kelvin, K equals Celsius plus 273. To convert Kelvin to Celsius, Celsius equals Kelvin minus 273. Rankine-Fahrenheit conversions. The imperial system temperature scale that starts at absolute zero is called the Rankine scale. It is related to the Fahrenheit scale, which places the freezing point of water at 32. The Rankine and Fahrenheit scales have the same relationship as the Kelvin and Celsius scales in the metric system. That is, one degree of change on the Rankine scale is equal to one degree of change on the Fahrenheit scale. Absolute zero, the zero for the Rankine scale, corresponds to 460 degrees below zero on the Fahrenheit scale. To convert Fahrenheit to Rankine, Rankine equals Fahrenheit plus 460. To convert Rankine to Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit equals Rankine minus 460. Because both the Kelvin and Rankine scales originate from absolute zero, the respective temperatures are frequently referred to as the absolute temperature of a substance. Fahrenheit-Celsius conversions. The Celsius and Fahrenheit scales are the most common temperature scale used for reporting air and fluid temperatures. Since we will use both scales, we need to be able to convert Fahrenheit temperatures to Celsius and Celsius temperatures to Fahrenheit. The formulas used for converting temperatures using these two scales are more complicated than the previous ones because one degree of change on the Celsius scale does not equal one degree of change on the Fahrenheit scale. To convert Fahrenheit to Celsius, Celsius equals 5 over 9 times bracket degrees Fahrenheit minus 32 close bracket. To convert Celsius to Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit equals 9 over 5 times degrees Celsius plus 32. Pressure measurement conversions. All pressure measurements are relative measurements, which means the measurement of pressure at the measurement point is always relative to a reference pressure. The reference pressure can be local atmospheric pressure, a perfect vacuum, or the pressure at some other location. The type of reference pressure partially describes the measurement. Following are definitions of pressure terminology, types of pressure, and different ways of measuring pressure. Atmospheric pressure. There is a layer of atmosphere surrounding the Earth that is held in place by gravity. Although it is only one one-hundredth the diameter of Earth, this film increases in density as it approaches the surface of the Earth. At the surface, the weight of the mixture of mostly nitrogen, 78%, and oxygen, 
that we call air creates a pressure on the surface of the earth that we measure at approximately 14.73 PSIA, pounds per square inch absolute. 14.73 PSIA is generally accepted as atmospheric pressure at sea level. This pressure varies depending on your location and altitude. Gauge pressure. Pressure gauges and most other pressure measuring devices generally measure pressures above atmospheric pressure. In other words, a gauge not attached to any pressure source will show the gauge pressure as zero, even though, as stated above, the atmospheric or absolute pressure is actually 14.73 PSIA. In general, we are interested in the difference between the atmospheric pressure and what is in our pipe. So we want to know the gauge pressure. This is sometimes referred to as overpressure. For example, if the gauge needle indicates 10 pounds, the pressure in the pipe is 10 pounds greater than the atmospheric pressure, or 10 PSIG. In PSI units, it should be referred to as PSIG, but the G is sometimes assumed. Gauge pressure equals the difference between a measured pressure and atmospheric pressure. Absolute pressure. Absolute pressure is measured relative to absolute zero pressure, which would occur at absolute vacuum, or zero pounds per square inch, zero PSIA. Absolute pressure is any gauge pressure plus the local atmospheric pressure. If we add the gauge pressure of 10 pounds to an atmospheric pressure of 14.73 pounds, we get 24.73 pounds absolute PSIA pressure. This pressure is sometimes referred to as total system pressure. Absolute pressure equals the difference between a measured pressure and the absence of pressure for a perfect vacuum. Vacuum. When atmospheric pressure is removed from a closed vessel, such as an evacuated refrigeration system, a vacuum is created. The more atmospheric pressure removed, the greater the vacuum. A perfect vacuum is attained only when all atmospheric pressure is exhausted and is practically impossible to achieve. The amount of vacuum is registered on a vacuum gauge, which operates on the same principles as a standard pressure gauge, except that the face is typically graduated in inches or millimeters of mercury instead of PSI. Each inch of graduation is equal to 0.491 pounds of absolute pressure. This means if the absolute pressure is 10 PSIA or 4.73 PSI below atmosphere, this would read as 9.6 inches of mercury vacuum or 245 millimeters of mercury vacuum. At zero PSIA, a perfect vacuum, this measures approximately 29.92 inches of mercury vacuum or 760 millimeters of mercury vacuum. Note, the value of the mercury column grows the deeper the vacuum. Differential pressure. For applications like backflow prevention, you need to know differential pressures or the difference between two measured pressures. Differential pressure measurements are designated with the suffix D, so that in imperial units, the measure might be measured in PSID, meaning pounds per square inch differential. Often, differential pressure is stated as delta P or delta P. Note that the use of the Greek letter delta indicates that there is a difference assumed between two measuring points such as two pressure or temperature readings. Differential pressure equals the difference between two measured pressures. Gauge pressure is actually a differential pressure where one of the measured pressures is atmospheric pressure. Pressure scales. 
The metric unit for pressure is Pascal. Some other units are pounds per square inch, PSI, and bar. One bar equals 100 kPa. There are actually many varied units to express pressure. Every field of science and discipline has different preferences, and it is the same with various regions and organizations. At times, pressure is expressed as a depth of a particular fluid. The most commonly used are mercury, based on its high density, and water, based on its availability. However, measuring pressure with a column of liquid is not always precise. Density of the fluid and gravity can vary in any given region. These pressure units are still used as standard increments on many analog gauges. There are also other kinds of pressure units, such as atmospheres. Things to remember. Absolute pressure is measured in relation to a perfect vacuum, while gauge pressure is the difference between the absolute pressure and the atmospheric pressure. Gauge pressure is what is most commonly used in the piping trades, while absolute pressure is used more often for scientific experimentations and calculations. Due to varying atmospheric pressure, gauge pressure measurement is not precise at all times, while absolute pressure is always definite. Use Mathematics and Science, Section 7, Calculate Piping Measurements. Note, you will require the IPT's Pipe Trades Training Manual for this section. Threaded Pipe. When installing threaded fittings in a piping system, you must cut the pipe, thread its ends, and screw fittings onto the threaded ends. Because the fittings actually add length to the pipeline, you must take measurements and perform calculations to determine how long to cut the pipe which will be less than the center-to-center -center measurement of the fittings. When pipe trades workers install pipe and fittings, their own knowledge of fractions and decimals is essential. In addition, the calculations require you to be familiar with the terminology associated with this piping practice. Terminology. Thread engagement, or TE. The distance from the face of the fitting to the end of the pipe inside the fitting. Thread engagements change with the size of pipe. Fitting allowance, or FA. The measurement from the end of pipe that penetrates the fitting to the center of the fitting. Fitting allowances change with the various types and sizes of fitting. Throw, also known as face to center. This is the distance from the center of a fitting to its face and is also equal to the sum of the fitting allowance, FA, and the thread engagement, TE. Takeoff, or TO. The fitting allowance calculation is required for each threaded connection. Usually a calculation will require two fitting allowances to find the required cut length of the pipe. There will be one fitting allowance at each end where the fittings are located. When the two fitting allowances are added together, the, the dimension is called the total takeoff. Allowance for thread engagement. Whenever a fitting is threaded onto a pipe, a certain allowance must be made in the length of the pipe to account for the thread engagement or the thread allowance. Measuring threaded pipe. There are seven general methods of measuring threaded pipe in piping installations. End-to-end, -end, or EE, the measurement from one end of a piece of pipe to the other end. End-to-center, EC, the measurement from one end of the pipe to the center of the fitting on the other end of the pipe. End-to-back, E-to-B, the measurement 
on one end of the pipe to the back of the fitting on the other end of the pipe, center to center, C to C, the measurement from the center of the fitting on one end of a piece of pipe to the center of the fitting at the other end, face to face, F to F, the measurement from the face of the fitting on one end of a piece of pipe to the face of the fitting at the other end, center to back, C to B, the measurement from the center of the fitting on one end of the piece to the back of the fitting on the other end of the pipe. Back to back, B to B, the measurement from the back of the fitting on one end of a piece of pipe to the back of the fitting at the other end. Overall, center to center, the measurement from the center of the fitting on one end of a straight arrangement of assembled pipes and fittings to the center of the fitting at the other end of the arrangement. This should be the sum of all center-to-center measurements of any fittings in the middle section of the run. Center-to-center is the measurement most commonly used when laying out and installing pipe in the field. A center-to-center measurement is the distance from the center of one fitting to the center of another fitting. That distance will remain the same regardless of a pipe size. However, because the fitting allowance and thread engagement vary with the size of the pipe, the cut length of the pipe will vary for different pipe sizes. End-to-end measurements and end-to-center measurements will sometimes be used when installing fittings that have no thread engagement, hubless fittings. With butt weld fittings and most mechanical joint fittings, the pipe does not penetrate the fitting, therefore only the throw for each fitting is considered when calculating the required cut length. Each size and type of fitting has specifications for its manufacturer that are standardized throughout the industry. Most pipe trades training manuals contain tables that provide fitting specifications. For this section, you will be using IPT's pipe trades training manual. Dimensions for malleable iron fittings in IPT pipe trades training manual table number 48A, B, diagrams page 81 in the February 2010 edition show some of the more common threaded fittings. The measurement designating the thread engagement or fitting thread length T for each size of pipe is in the lower right-hand corner. Their specifications are shown in the two tables that follow, one for imperial and one for metric. The measurements indicated by letters in the drawings A, B, C, etc. are the throw dimensions face the center for the fittings. The specifications for reducing T's and reducing elbows for threaded fittings are not included in IPT's Pipe Trades Training Manual. Butt welded pipe and fittings. Butt weld steel fittings are standardized in the pipe trades. An important specification for butt weld fittings is the throw measurement. Lessons learned in this section could also be used on other types of piping materials using mechanical joints or MJ connectors. Fitting allowances for butt weld pipe fittings are easier to calculate than for threaded pipe because you do not have to allow for a thread engagement. You do, however, have to allow for weld gaps. While the gap used for the production of a weld itself is not large, 8th inch, 332nd, etc., over a long run with a lot of fittings, the gaps add up and the piping would be out of alignment if the gaps remain unaccounted for. Radius of a weld elbow The radius of an elbow is measured from its center line to a point that marks the center of its bend. For a 90 degree elbow, the radius and the throw are the same. A standard 90-degree elbow, sometimes called a long-radius elbow, normally has a radius of one and a half times the nominal pipe size. For example, 
A two-inch elbow would have a radius of three inches. Long radius elbows are usually designated by the number of times the radius is greater than the nominal pipe size, 2D, 3D, etc. A short radius elbow has a radius equal to the nominal pipe size. Illustration number 76 in the IPT manual, also shown in figure 9 below, shows an assortment of the most commonly used butt weld fittings. The measurements that correspond to the indicated throws are in tables 53 and 54. Note that the IPT manual includes the dimensions of reducing butt weld tees and crosses in tables 55 and 56. The throw and gap of a butt weld fitting must be subtracted from the center-to-center measurement to find the end-to-end cut length. Remember that the throw dimension is the portion of a center-to-center measurement that is not straight pipe. Socket weld fittings. Socket weld fittings are used to join smaller sizes of pipe, usually 2 inch and under, that require the strength and security of a weld joint. Like threaded fittings, socket weld fittings have a length of pipe that fits into the fitting, meaning that the throw and the fitting allowance have two different values. Calculating the end-to-end measurements for socket weld fittings is complicated by the requirement of a gap between the end of the pipe and the bottom of the socket. This gap is required to allow for expansion of the pipe in the fitting. If the pipe were to bottom out in the fitting, a large temperature change might cause the pipe to expand enough to break the weld. The gap mentioned in the IPT manual is 1 16th of an inch, or 1.6 millimeters but it may be different depending on the job specifications. The diagrams in table 51 and 52 in the IPT manual show an assortment of the most commonly used socket weld fittings, also shown in figure 13 below. The measurements that correspond to the indicated throws are on the following pages. Along with the throw, dimension A of the fitting, the fitting allowance, dimension B, which already includes a 1 16th inch gap, is given. Socket depth is given as dimension K in the lower right-hand corner, which could be used if the job specifies a different gap dimension. Tube and tubing. Tube and tubing are commonly joined by soldering or compression joints. Calculations for making these joints are similar to socket weld joints in that these joints have a pipe engagement rather than a thread engagement. However, the joints do not have a weld gap and the pipe is engaged to the shoulder of the fitting before soldering or compression. Grade, elevation, and benchmarks. It is often necessary to install drainage pipe with a slope so that liquids may flow by gravity to a sewer, sump, or drain point. Condensate lines and steam return mains must achieve minimum slope in order to function properly. Ensuring proper slope or grade in a drainage system is very important for the system to function properly. If the piping doesn't have enough grade, drains could run slowly and blockage problems could arise. If the piping has too much grade, the pipe could be too low in elevation and it would become impossible to connect the building sewer to the public sewer in the street. The term grade refers to a vertical distance, rise or fall, divided by the horizontal distance when a grade is specified on a drawing. For example, 1 to 50, it means that 50 feet of run in the horizontal direction there will be one foot vertical drop, resulting in a downward slope in the direction of flow. In this way, the specified grade is stated as a ratio of the rise over run. Another important skill used in the piping trades is being able to determine the height or elevation and location at which piping is to be located in and below a building. 
On some job sites, there is no set source for this information. Elevation information may be given on a drawing, may have to be calculated from available information, or may even have to be determined on the job site with physical measurements. Grade. In the construction trades, grade is used to determine the degree of rise or fall of a sloping surface, such as a ramp or a roof pitch. Within the pipe trades, the slope of pipe is expressed as the amount of grade or slope the pipe has on it. Grade is usually expressed in one of three ways. Fraction of an inch per foot, for example, quarter inch per foot, means that for every one foot of length or run, the pipe is going to slope up or down quarter inch. Screwed cast iron drainage fittings such as TYs and 90 degree Ls are tapped to give a grade of quarter inch per foot. This means that the horizontal drain line is out of level by quarter inch for each foot of run. Some plumbing codes specify a minimum grade of quarter inch per foot on all drainage piping three inch and less in diameter. This method is appropriate for only imperial units. Percentage of length as compared to the rise or drop, for example, 1%, means that for every unit of length, the pipe is going to slope up or down 1%. This method is appropriate for both imperial and metric units. Ratio of the drop or rise to the length, for example, 1 to 50 means for every 50 units of length, the pipe will slope up or down one unit. This method is appropriate for both imperial and metric units. There are many times when the same grade can be written in different ways. Although these grades are expressed in different forms, they all refer to the amount of fall for each measurement length of piping. Calculating grade. There are three factors you must consider when calculating grade problems the length or run of the pipe, the grade on the pipe, and the total fall of the pipe. In drainage systems, total fall is the distance the normally horizontal pipe falls over a given length of pipe at a given grade. It is important to always include the units of measurement in the calculation as they are the best indicator of the correctness for your answer. If the answer has unfamiliar units, it is probably incorrect. It is especially important to keep the units in calculations using fractions per foot because some of the units will cancel out. The formula for calculating grade is total fall equals grade times run. This formula can be placed into a formula triangle and any unknown can be calculated. Of the three factors mentioned above, at least two must be known before the third can be calculated. Fraction per foot calculations. When you are solving problems and the grade is provided as fraction of an inch per foot run, the total fall must be expressed in inches and the length must be expressed in feet. Percentage calculations. Unlike fraction calculations, which are used only in the imperial system, percentage calculations can be used for either imperial or metric measurements. Similarly, the units of length and fall in percentage problems are not going to vary. If you're solving for the total fall and start with the length in meters, you will end up with an answer for total fall in meters. If you're solving for the length and start with the total fall in millimeters, you will end up with an answer for length in millimeters and so on. Ratio calculations. Much like percentage calculations, ratio calculations can be used for either imperial or metric measurements. Ratios can be written and treated exactly the same as a fraction. 
When grades are expressed as ratios, example 1 to 50 or 1 over 50, the answer will be the same units for measure that are being used for the known dimension, feet, inches, meters, centimeters, etc. Ratio grades are defined as the ratio of fall per unit of length. For example, a pipe graded at 1 to 50 will fall one unit of measure for every 50 units of measure of length or run. Elevation. An elevation is a distance above or below a fixed point. On construction sites, the architect may specify building elevations based on a reference point called a benchmark. The benchmark is some non-moving spot on the job site, such as a street curb or a manhole cover. Normally, the main subfloor is assigned a reference elevation such as 100 meters or 100 feet. Depending on the units used on the project, for example, if the main subfloor elevation was 100 feet, was to be two feet above the curb or the chosen benchmark, then the site benchmark would be given the elevation of 98 feet. Since all subsequent elevations are related to the subfloor, the architectural elevation for the top of plate at the ceiling would be 100 feet plus 8 feet or 108 feet. The elevation of the second floor would be 109 feet due to the one foot depth of the floor joists and the floor sheeting above it. The elevation of the bottom of the footing would be 96 feet and the trench bottom for the building drain would be 93.5 feet. Building trades would use the project benchmark to establish the subsurface elevations because some parts of systems must be installed before the main floor is poured. Once the structure progresses above the main floor, the tradesperson has a choice to use the main floor, elevation, or the benchmark or the reference point, whichever is more convenient. In order to determine the elevations on the construction project, a pipe trades worker would use a builder's level. Using a builder's level requires you to know how to calculate elevations from a benchmark or from a previously calculated elevation. Most often, the level is set up in one spot and all the readings are taken from that location. Sometimes the level must be moved many times, using previous settings to calculate new elevations. When this happens, accuracy in readings and calculations becomes even more important. Land or geographic elevations are distances above or below mean sea level. When large projects are constructed and a local benchmark is impractical, example, a residential subdivision, geodetic elevations are used. When geodetic elevations are used on a building project, it is sometimes beneficial to omit the first one or two digits of the elevation to make calculations easier. When these digits are omitted, the elevation is referred to as a modified or abbreviated geodetic. Elevations can be expressed in both metric and imperial dimensions. If metric is used, calculations are straightforward. The centimeters or millimeters typically used as the smallest unit of measurement. Surveyors or civil engineers may use elevation measurements in feet and decimal parts of a foot. One one hundredth or 0 .01 of a foot is the smallest elevation difference. Trades workers often use tape measures that show feet, inches, and fractions of an inch to the nearest one sixteenth. It may be necessary to convert between engineer's measure, decimal feet, and builder's measure, feet, inches, and fractions of an inch when calculating trade elevations as both are used. Converting between engineer's measure and builder's measure. Converting feet expressed as a decimal into feet, inches, and fractions of an inch is a simple procedure used frequently in the building trades.